Please stand for the reading of the word. Romans 14 says, Accept other believers who are weak in faith, and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. You may be seated. Hey, we're in Romans 14. Uh, we're going to be talking about what does love require of me. And this is all about personal preferences. It is more of a teaching today. And I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you like steak? Like, like steak. How many of you don't like it? All right, we got us at the end of the service, we'll do something and pray for you. So, <laughs> all right. Here's the funny thing about personal preference. You just, whether you like steak is one question, but then you get into how, how you like your steak. We, we say this, how do you like your steak? And, and we get these personal preferences that you either like it rare, medium rare, medium well, or well done. And, and you like it those ways, and, and you can get to such a way that you can't eat it unless a lot of times it's, it's a certain way. So we have this personal preference along those lines. And, then, and then, you, then you start to think of who has the best steak in Covington? Like who has the best steak in Covington? Who would you say has the best steak? You'd say Longhorns. That's what I would say, Longhorns. But again, that's personal preference. Like I thought you may say that it's Longhorns, or you may say that it's, I make it better at home. I don't know, whatever. But we have all these personal preferences about things. And, and, and then you take personal preference and you put, it, uh, you put it on steroids. Take your personal preferences and you put it on steroids. And then you have personal convictions. You have these personal convictions. I'm going to tell you one of my personal convictions. I hate being late. I hate being late. In some ways, I am OCD about this. I am OCD. My kids will make fun of me. Like if I say we're leaving at four, they know to get there at 345 because that's just, that's just the way. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wired up. Like I'm, if, if we're not going to be, if I think I'm going to be late, I hate it. Now, I have been late before. I have been, but I hate being late. I hate being late, but it, it is a personal conviction. Like this is a personal conviction that early is better. Now, you don't have to agree to that, but that's my personal opinion. The early is better. The early, earliness is next to godliness. That's what I believe. As a matter of fact, when I hire staff, one of the first things I will tell them is I don't like it when people are late. I just say, as a matter of fact, I don't like it when people are late. I don't want our volunteers to come in and our staff to come in after them. I want our staff here first, except for the worship team, but even them, uh, when the worship team comes, they get here really early. There's a staff member who's usually here first. That's what I want it to be. So I said, I don't like when people are late. I, I don't like it. And, and I believe that Jesus arrived early. I do. I do. I believe he did. Hey, it was a joke, guys. Come on. Hey, what am I working with here? It seems subdued. It seems subdued today. What am I working with? Don't let second service kill you again as far as like they're at. You know, don't let them, be, don't let them put you to shame. So here's the thing about personal preferences going on with the scripture. Romans 14 is all about personal preference. That this group of believers who were Jewish 
And they had lived their whole life obeying the law, making sacrifices, uh, going to the temple and doing all these things. And then it was these Gentiles, these non-Jews, who had lived their whole life being part of this pagan culture. And they had these, and Paul's trying to mend, hey, you've got these personal convictions, these personal preferences that we've got to figure out how that y'all can stay at church. And here's the crazy thing about church. Most churches have problems over personal preferences or personal convictions than they do about Scripture. And they fight and they argue, and Paul, Paul is addressing that today. And so I've made three signs, and you're gonna th- if you're a guest today, you're going to think this is terrible, but if you want to know about it, I'm the pastor that loves to write that has terrible handwriting. That's who I am. And so anyway, here's the first thing. So we're all made in such a way that we have... This is it right here, yes. We have opinions, we have feelings, and we have experiences. And this is how this works. Something happens and we go, well, I just feel. We, and we feel it. Look, we feel it. And look, I struggle with personal preferences. As a matter of fact, I had a friend of mine tell me, he said, Gary, you get so passionate about something that you feel like if everybody else doesn't do what you're doing, that, that, then, then they're wrong. And I'm like, you're wrong. And I said, you're, I was like, I was convicted. I was like, that is who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. I do. I think that. But we have these, these, these things where I feel this and we do feel them. Or we have these opinions, these strong opinions. We have these strong, or we've had these experiences. We have these experiences. And man, they are so strong. And we sometimes want to impose these things on other people. And we want our opinions and our experiences in our feelings, to be the authority of their life. Now, here's the truth. You can do that in some work settings if you're the boss. You can say, hey, this is the way I want it done. But when people go home, they don't have to do it that way anymore. You can do it with your kids. But let me share something. They're not going to do it your way when you're not there. They're just probably not. I'll tell you something. Like I have this personal conviction with my kids that when they got their license, that they should wait six months before driving down Elks Club Road because it's a treacherous road, treacherous. And I, why did I have that? Because by experience, I'd seen people in the church get hurt. And, get, and, and I've, I've known people who've gotten killed on that road. It's treacherous because it just winds back and forth, and you overcorrect, and I felt like a new driver. So every one of my kids... Every one of my kids knew the rule. The rule is you don't drive on Elks Club Road for six months. You go around. Then the, my first, my oldest, Marissa, she got her license, and I saw her coming down Elks Club Road when I was going out, and she was bebopping with her friends, and I was sitting there. But I can't make that personal conviction, every conviction, the conviction of every teenager in Newton County. Is everybody with me on this? But this is what we do as Christ followers sometimes. We have these personal convictions, and this is what we do. We try to make them the authority of another person's life. Now let's talk about what is the authority of your life? What is the authority of your life? Well, the authority of your life and my life, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ... It's what's found in the New Testament. Now I'm going to say the New Testament and anything in the Old Testament that's backed up by the New Testament. And the reason why I say that is there's things in the Old Testament that we don't do anymore. Like in the Old Testament, the Jewish people didn't eat bacon. Now how many of you eat bacon? 
So you broke the law. You'd already, you've already law If you're going to follow the Old Testament, you've already broken the law. But in the New Testament, all foods are declared clean. So our, the authority of my life and your life is, first of all, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and then God's Word, God's Word. And it's always, God's Word's always going to back up what Jesus said, what the Holy Spirit said. They're all going to be in, congruent with each other. These are the authorities of life, of our life. These are the authority. Not my opinions... Not my, my, and I'm going to say this, not my be- personal beliefs, not my experiences, not even my feelings, as strong as they are, are the authority for someone else's life. They're not. But so many times we try to make them this. And so we're going to go and jump in into Romans 14, where Paul is going to address this. He's going to address this. And I'm going to give you three points. Well, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with this? Three points. First is, is you accept those that God accepts. You accept those that God accepts. That if God has accepted someone, then we are going to accept them regardless if they meet our personal convictions. If they're late, we're going to love them. Everybody with me on this? Why is somebody laughing? Now, let me share something with you. He's not here today, but one of my best friends is always late. His name's Pete. He's always late. I love him to death. And when we were portable, when we were at the high school, we had two huge trailers that we would bring in every Sunday, and it would take us a, an hour and a half to two hours to set everything up before we could even do church. And Pete was one of the captains of pulling the trailers. One of the captains. And I knew Pete was late. And I told Pete, you can't be late. You can't be late. If you're late, it's going to put us behind. You can't be late. You know that the entire time that we were portable, Pete was never late? It was never late. It wasn't because... You know, I commanded him to do it. It's because he loved the church, and he loved me. And he was, he was on time for that moment of his life, and that was the only moment of his life. <laughs> Every time he pulled a trailer, he was on time. But my whole point is this, is that you and I are going to accept those that are different than us. Let me share something about Pete. Being late has served him well. He's very successful. He's a great, good dad, a great husband. It served him well. We're all different. We can't impose our personal convictions on other people. We're going to accept people without exclusion. We're going to accept them all, even the things we disagree with. And this is what, that's what Paul is saying right here. He says in Romans 14, he says, accept other believers who are weak in faith. And it's funny to me that Paul doesn't list, is, is, is he talking about the Jewish people? Is he talking about the, the Gentile people? He doesn't say. He's just expect, accept those who are weak and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. He's talking about personal convictions here, that we don't have to argue with people, that somebody's conviction, somebody's preference is going to be different than yours. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. So vegans are going to heaven, y'all. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. Hey, I thought y'all, y'all are killing me. Anyway, all right. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And here's what we do sometimes. As Christ followers, somebody does something that's not explicitly forbidden in the Scripture, we will look down on them because it's not our personal preference. We will think less of them. And we do this, and and reason why this is so important is that so many people have been turned away from the church, so many people have been told they weren't allowed in the church, not because of the scripture, not because of their 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 sinfulness, but simply over personal preference. Now I, I've told you a story before. The church used to try to keep everybody busy. We used to try to keep everybody busy. The church in the 70s, the 80s, and 90s that you went to church to Sunday school, 
You went Sunday morning, you went Sunday night, and you went Wednesday night. Like we wore out. You wore them, we were, we were going to wear them down. And this is what people would say sometimes about people who didn't do those things. They would say to me, I'd say so-and-so, and they'd say, he only comes on Sunday morning. I'm like, okay, well, that's pretty good, isn't it? Well, you know, he doesn't come Sunday night. He doesn't come Wednesday night to prayer meeting. And, and we automatically put these things where there's no one in the Scripture that says you have to do all those things. It just says we have to be together. You have to be part of the... It doesn't say you have to come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, Wednesday night in order to be a Christ follower. And so we impose upon them. And so that's what Paul's talking about. How do we live together when our personal preferences don't align? You know what we do? We accept each other. And let me share something. That is exactly what Jesus does for you. That's exactly what he has done for you. He has accepted you without exception. He's accepted you when your personal preference may not be what his is. When there's freedom and, and, and you, he may not like every decision, we, but he accepts us. And that's what Paul is, is driving home there. He says, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. That we're going to accept those that God has accepted. Who are you to con condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. Telling us that we, first of all, the first thing we do is we accept everybody. The second thing is this. We refuse to judge, to make ourselves a judge. We refuse to make ourselves a judge. Now, last week I made a joke. I made a joke about Leslie and I not getting in an argument. We don't get in arguments. Guess what happened this week? Got an argument. Got an argument, and guess whose fault it was? You're right, it was Leslie's. No, no, it was, it was my fault. It's my fault. And you know what happened? The situation arose, and I immediately, immediately made myself the judge over this situation, gave my two cents worth strongly, passionately, and then she looked at me and said, that's not what happened. This is what happened. And here's what happened. I was talking to her on the phone, and I was telling her something, and the phone cut out. She didn't hear me anymore. And I've got a crummy phone that I've known has been crummy for about six months. If you've tried to call me and you've been cut off, you know this. And she said, your phone cut off, dear. And I went, oh, I'm sorry. But I'd already made myself the judge. Because she didn't do what I thought she should do in that moment. But she didn't know what I thought because the phone cut off and she didn't hear it. But we do this all the time. When we have something going, we immediately make ourselves the judge that I'm going to make myself the judge. And so I want to be really clear right here and talk about this because this is real important. I want you to see the scripture. He says, in the same way, some think that one day is more holy than another. He's talking, he goes from food to different days. Some people worship on Sunday. Some people worship on Saturday. Some people think certain days are important. He says, while others think every day is alike, you should be fully convinced that whatever day you choose is acceptable. Meaning whatever day you're going to worship, you just need to make sure that that's what God's calling you to do. And the truth is, is that every day is the same in, in a lot of ways that you can worship on Saturday as much as you can on Sunday and Monday and every other day that it's all about us worshiping God. He says, those who worship the Lord on a special day, do it to honor him. And those who eat any kind of food, do it to honor him. So whatever you do, you're doing it to honor the Lord since 
they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to him. Meaning there's somebody else way more important than you or I that we're doing this for. There's somebody else who's the judge. And it's not you. I'm telling you, it's not you. And it's not me. It's not me. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. Whatever you do, if you live, you're doing it to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's going to be to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be the Lord of both the living and the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember that we will all stand before the judgment seat of who? That he's the judge. That you and I are going to refuse to be the judge because we're not the judge. I'm not the judge of what everybody does in their personal preferences. I'm not. And let me share something. You're not either. I'm not the judge of everybody that has personal convictions that are different than me. And guess what? You're not either. You're not. God is. He's the judge of everything, of everyone. And we got to refuse to make ourselves the judge. And we, and we, we, we mean well, and we, we do, but we place a burden upon people that doesn't need to be there. As surely as the Lord lives, I'm sure as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow, bend to me, and every tongue will declare in allegiance and praise to God. Meaning that there's a, there's a God out there, that he's a judge, and it's not us. And so let me, let me just throw some things out here. It sounds really, really easy. That means we don't judge people on, according to their attendance to Scripture. Like their attendance to church, according to Scripture, we, we're not going to judge people. We're going to talk to people, have relationships with people. If we're concerned about somebody, we're going to judge people that wear shorts to church. We're not going to judge people that have tattoos. We're not going to judge people if they wear a hat on Sunday morning. We're not going to judge people if they've got jeans on. We're not going to judge people who are dressed up. We're not going to judge people who are not. We're not going to do that. These are all personal convictions. We're not going to judge people who like a certain version of the Bible. Like they, they like the ESV or they like the King James and, or they like the, the NLT. We're not going to judge them. We're not going to say, and, and, and we, we, are, we are drawing lines that don't need to be there. We're not. We, they don't need to be there. And they're, it's not scriptural. They're just simply personal convictions. We're not going to judge if they're women ushers and men greeters, or if they're men greeters, I mean, men ushers and women greeters, we're not going to judge. We're not going to judge whether people do things a certain way that are just simply personal preferences based on the way we were brought up. And let's be honest, that's where a lot of it comes from. That I was brought up a certain way, and so I think this is right, and I get it, but we can't place those. So what convictions can we place on people? What is in Scripture? What is in Scripture, what is clear in Scripture, then we can place us and we can talk to people that if we love someone and we're in relationship with them, we can talk to them about what is in Scripture, but not personal preference. We're going to refuse to be the judge, which leads me to the last one. Now I'm going to act in love. I'm going to act in love. The question is, is what does love require of me? Now, here's where it gets really difficult. He's going to hit an area that is very sensitive in our culture. And I'm going to get to it, but I want you to hang with me. I'm going to read through some stuff. But before I do, he's going to use the term stumbling block. He's going to use the term stumbling block. And a lot of times we miss, we don't understand what a stumbling block is. We think if someone does something that we disagree with, that's a personal preference or personal conviction, 
we think if they do that and we question their faith, that's a stumbling block. That's not a stumbling block. That's us being judgmental. I want to say it again, that if someone does something that's a personal conviction that we disagree with and we start to question their faith, that's us judging them. But if someone does something, and I'm going to give you an example. Let's just say you were on a diet and you felt like the Lord was calling you to lose weight. That's coming in January. It always is every year. It's calling you to lose weight, and I knew it. I knew you were coming over my house, and, and you're coming over my house, and you said, man, I feel like God's calling me to lose weight. And you come over my house, and all I have is sweets on the table. That's me being a stumbling block. Is everybody with me on this? That's a stumbling block. That's affecting them. What I do affects them. It doesn't affect me because I'm not on a diet. Look at me, y'all. I'm not. I'm lean, mean. I don't need to be on a diet. So let's look at the scripture and see what Paul says. He says, yes, even us, we give a, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Same thing I said, that we won't make them fall. If they're trying to fall Christ, we're not going to put anything in their way to cause them to stumble. That's what it means. He says, I know and convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, hear me on this, that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it's wrong, then that for that person it is wrong. Meaning that everything's clean, but if you've got this personal conviction, then you go for it as far as you're concerned. Whatever that is. You don't dance, you don't chew, you don't go with girls who do. Whatever you think. You know what I'm saying? Whatever that is. Whatever that personal conviction is. Where am I at? And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Same thing. That if you know it's going to be a stumbling block, you know they're going to have a problem with it, then you don't do it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for who Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. Then hear this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. He's saying the kingdom of God is not about personal convictions, or personal preferences. It's not. He said it is about the fruit of the Spirit, a life of goodness, peace, and joy. It's about the Holy Spirit, and it's about the attitude of Christ. If you serve with Christ with this attitude, you will please God. That's what the kingdom of God is about, and that only, not these other things. And others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up regardless of their personal preference, regardless of their personal conviction. We're going to build them up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. Now, I want to stop right here because that's the issue of our culture the culture of alcohol. And some of you are going to disagree with me, and, and I, I, I get it. But I'm going to tell you, this is the authority for my life. And the Scriptures do not condemn alcohol. I know people, I've heard the sermons, I've heard people preach it, and I've heard it all. This is a personal conviction. 
I can show you scripture after scripture. Like I can just name a couple of things. And look, when I say things, people are going to say, yeah, but Jesus changed the water to wine, y'all. And his wine was better than everybody else's. Read the story. We can't place our personal convictions over this. Now, here's, here's where it gets sticky. We have, a, we have a huge recovery ministry in our church. And the leaders of our cover, recovery ministry, whether their issue is drugs and alcohol, or whether it's anxiety, or some other mental health issue, or something like that, They've all chosen, if they're a leader in this ministry, they've all chosen to not drink, to abstain from drinking. But we can't impose that same rule on everybody in the church. Is everybody with me on this? Now, you don't have to agree, but you have to, I'm asking, can you follow that logic? Because what we have done too many times, and whether it's drinking or eating or something like that, because the scriptures are clear, the scriptures do not condemn drinking. It condemns us being a stumbling block for people who have a trouble with drinking. And we had this whole part about being a good witness and, and everything like that. And those lines are super thin. But here's the thing. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Paul says the same thing right here. The same thing that I'm saying. He's saying that we can't impose this upon people. So how do you deal with all this? How do you deal with all this? I've got four questions. I'm going to go to the four questions, Jared. Four questions. First of all is this. Whatever you're going to do, you ask yourself, is it a sin? Now, here's the truth. We talked about this last week. You, if you're going to go get hammered, that's a sin. I'm telling you. We talked about it last year. He, said, he talked about the kingdom of God is not a matter of drunkenness. That, that, that the scriptures are clear that drunkenness is a sin. But he also lists jealousy. He also lists disunity. He lists many things in, in that scripture. He talks about sexual immorality. And so the first question you ask is like, is this wrong? Is this a sin for a follower of Jesus Christ to do? That's the question you ask yourself. Whatever you're going to do. If you're going to lie or you're going to steal, you're going to cheat, whatever, you know it's wrong. You ask, is this wrong? The second question is this. Has God spoken to me about this? Now, you may be free to drink. Hear me on this. But that's not the best thing for you. It may not be the best thing for you. Here's the truth. Some of you should never drink again. Because it's wrecking your life. Or some of you should never do whatever again. Whether it's watching a certain movie. Looking at something on your phone that you shouldn't look at. And maybe it's, maybe it's not explicitly sinful, it just, but it's going to lead you. It's not the wise choice. And you know God's spoken to you. You know he's, he's talking to you. The Holy Spirit said, you don't need to do this anymore. You've got to make that the choice because God's speaking to you. Which leads me to the third one. Will it cause someone else to stumble? This is huge. Is what I'm doing going to cause somebody else to stumble? Is it going to shipwreck somebody else's faith? Is it going to hurt them? The man, I don't need to do it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And then the last one. What does love require of me? That if I love this person, if I, if I love this person, what does that require of me? It requires me to, to renounce my rights, the things that I would want to do, because I love them. I want this person to know Christ or I want this person to grow in their faith, and I don't want to be a part of anything else. So what does love require me? And so we make those choices as followers of Jesus Christ. Listen, I know I'm throwing a lot at you today. 
And sometimes things would be easier if they were black and white. But they're not. There are issues that are simply personal convictions and personal preferences. And this is what I share with you. Your personal convictions and your personal feelings and your personal experiences, hear me, they're not the authority of anybody's life. They equal no authority. The authority of someone's life is Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. Listen, you follow those and you're going to be okay. So let's quit judging each other if that's what we're doing. And let's start accepting one another just as Paul encouraged the church at Rome. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to let you chew on this this week. And there's a bookmark in your seat. I've been talking to you about the, the Romans podcast. Uh, you go to eastridge.church backslash Romans. There are some resources. We did a, re, we did a podcast on, on this teaching this week. It's already been done. And I've been pushing the podcast because it goes to let us explain in further detail what we're talking about today. I encourage you to listen to that. Chew on this process. Let's be like Jesus. Let's, let's accept people. Let's not impose our personal thoughts, feelings, and experiences on people as authority, but let's let the Word of God be the authority. And I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for your Word. I thank you, Lord, there's, there's Scripture to help us. And Lord, I know there's things that are clear in Scripture. There's things that we shouldn't do, and there's things we should do. It's really clear. And then there's things that you let us choose. You let us decide. And Lord, I pray in our choosing and in our deciding. It will lead people to you and not keep them away. Lord, I pray for us not to be judgmental. I pray for us to accept everybody, even those we disagree with. And so, Lord, we lift this prayer up to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.